everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there's Steve. Hi. Hi, and tonight we're talking about Steve's jazz practice in uh, <laughs> Boston this weekend. It was actually down uh, almost in, in Rhode Island. Oh, wow. We were, way, we were way down there. But like I was saying, so we're, we're playing and uh, we decide, let's play God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, because it's that time of year. Right. And it's signed in the real book. So I go on my phone and I like get a copy of it, right? And it's just from a, a guitar site. Right. So it's lyrics with literally lyrics with chords over them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you do when you're singing guitar songs, right? Right. So I don't know the lyrics to God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, uh, because I'm Jewish. <laughs> but I do know the melody, right? Sure. Man, I got so fucking lost because I don't know the lyrics. Because <laughs> you got the saxophone playing the melody, which is great, but but I'm looking at lyrics. Right, you're looking at lyrics, and it's like, okay. Uh... <laughs> so so we're playing it, hey, and then you're Adam, a jazz Adam, band. When in doubt, sixteen bar boogie. <laughs> no, Adam left the left the room to to uh, change a read or something, and so I was there with. Uh, keyboardist and, and he's like where were you and i'm like something about satan am i on the right line he goes yeah that's where i was <laughs> <laughs> oh well i'm sorry i can't help you there i i don't know the words to any of that stuff i just i just don't do uh that particular version of the holiday and no i usually don't either but i some of these songs and it's, are and really it's a cool soundtrack well, some some of these songs are really cool to play as as you know bebop numbers because right. they've got like really cool melodies mm-hmm. and interesting chord changes. So you play them and you swing them and it's and you know it's like and it's fun. So I don't mind doing that. Right, and then you start start improv. And it's not like I'm that. yeah, it's not like I'm caroling or anything. <laughs> have you have you ever? We're, we're gonna we're gonna lose half our audience. Have you ever done a, a, like a, a bebop version of uh, Carol of the Bell? No, no, absolutely not. No. Would you Would you attempt it? Is that that one? Yep. Ring Christmas bells now. No. I think you. I think. I think. And I might be wrong, but I think I'm right. Rob Halford's Christmas album has that on it. Really? Yeah. I think he has actually two Christmas albums, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But on one of them, you have uh, the heavy metal version of that. Right, right. That might be kind of interesting because the Trans-Siberian Orchestra is the one. That, right, uh, of course. A, a hard rock version of that song. Now, which leads us to a near-perfect segue. Yeah, I mean, it's Christmas time and on Christmas time. Around Christmas time, we here at Microphones of Madness like to uh, do the ghost story thing. That's right. We like to do some ghost stories. Um, you know, that's a that's a grand old British tradition. Mr. James. Uh, we've done Mr. Some- James. That's right. Mr. James uh, used to write ghost stories. Uh, one of the most popular Christmas time stories is A Christmas Carol, which is essentially a ghost story. Mm-hmm. And 
arguably a mysterious phantom in a red suit breaking into your house and leaving stuff is and eating your cookies is arguably uh, a bit of a, a, a boogeyman horror story <laughs> if you look well, at it the right way. Isn't Die Hard a ghost story? I don't know. No. You have to die for there to be a ghost story. <laughs> yeah, di- they died hard. And so they came back. No, that's going to be the next one. Die Hard 7. He's finally dead. What, wasn't the next one called Die Hard with a Vengeance? I mean, this is like... This no, sounds like the second one... Stories. The second one was called Die Hard 2. Die Harder. Oh. Was there Die Hard with a Vengeance? Yes, that was the okay. third one. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, you can get ghost stories out of that. Yeah. Arguably, the third one had Which Samuel L. Jackson which brings us to another segue because of Nakatomi Plaza. Ooh, that was a rough one there, buddy. That was a rough one there. Uh, yes, we are talking the ghost of Kasane Swamp uh, in Japanese. Kaiden Kasane Gafuchi. Yes. Forgive my pronunciation. Also known as the Depths. Yes. Or simply the ghost of Kasane. Yeah. Uh, this is a 1957 uh, Japanese film uh, based on a story called Shinke Kasane, Kasane Gafuchi. Ta-da! They don't have hyphens in No, so, uh, yeah, so I, I believe that this was a old Kabuki um, story. Yeah, the, the novel. Written for Kabuki. Yeah. The novel or the story that it's based on is not available in English. I checked. Uh, it was written by Incho Senayute. But uh, yeah, we all of our references here: Christmas time, ghost stories, uh, vengeance, and Die Hard. Uh, all of these things kind of play a little bit into <laughs> into the, the 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 movie here. They do. It's so. A little. The reason why we're, we're actually watching this is because I just am in the middle of on the tail end of a kick on a, a um, Japanese ghost uh, cinema, mm-hmm. uh, like The Grudge and, and Ring and right. um, Dark Water. Right, all the original stuff. So I want to watch a bunch of those, and then I'm, I'm reading a book about ghosts in Japan. <clears throat> um, and like this movie was referenced. Or non-fiction no, no, the uh, non-fiction, just like the history of oh, of, neat. Of, of ghosts for unnamed purposes. And uh, they they drop a lot of references, and this movie was one of them. And they were talking about the origins of this type of of story, this type of ghost, um, and it, it's very very heavily leans into kabuki because like kabuki really is the vehicle where a lot of of what we think of as as modern japanese culture Mm -hmm. like pop culture comes from um especially this type of ghost story with uh, vengeful ghosts right um so 
couldn't find a Kabuki version of it, but we, we, we caught this on YouTube. Right. It is available on YouTube. It's running time on YouTube is about one hour and five minutes. So the classic yeah, days short. of short. It's so beautiful. It's so short. It's great. <laughs> in, in fact, I, I, I only watched it like two hours ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I was really late. So like, <laughs> ah, I could have I could have watched it again. You were like you were you were like ready to finish it up and hit the hit the uh, podcast yep. right away. Yep. And but now you've had time to ruminate. Well, give us a give us a, a kind of a plot rundown here. For, okay. For the, so for the people playing gonna, the home game. Okay, we're not going to get names, but um, starts out. At in winter, um, on, a, on a stormy night, and a blind masseur is going to collect a debt from a, a samurai deadbeat. This takes place in the um, Edo period where samurai were deadbeats, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he's using an old debt collector's trip. He's going to do it in bad weather uh, so that he can't be turned away. Uh, he leaves behind his his little daughter. And his his um maidservant, I guess. Right. To go and do this. His wife is, is has passed. So he goes to do this at has a few drinks with uh the samurai and his wife and uh asks for the money and instead of of getting he didn't even want the whole thing, he just wanted a little bit of it. Instead of getting uh, paid back, he gets dead. Yeah. <laughs> the samurai gets Really pissed off, uses a small slight um, as a as a pretension for for ending him. Yes, basically, that is correct. So, um, I'm not giving. This is like all happens within the first ten minutes of the movie. So, don't think I'm like spoiling anything. Right. Exactly. Uh, so the, they bury the 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 blind masseur later on, and he comes back. As a as a uh, on Miru, I think that's how you pronounce it. A uh, a pissed off ghost, a grudge ghost, so to speak, and haunts the samurai, um, causing him uh, to see the visage of this blind masseur everywhere. To the point where he uh, ends up killing his wife and uh, perishing himself, leaving behind a young son, an infant. His manservant takes said infant to a tchotchke shop, I guess, in Edo Mm -hmm. that he knew about and uh, leaves the kid there. 20 years later (laughs) is is where the the bulk of the story happens. We have the grown kid um, gets involved with the grown daughter of the blind masseur. And this does not sit right with uh, Daddy Ghost. Right. And that, that's basically the, the crux of it. You know, you want to watch the, the movie to get, like, all the cool ins and outs of, of the drama mm-hmm. and the, um, the the haunting. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then... All right, that, that's it. There's a second, there's a second <laughs> layer of the haunting, and it, it's, it's got this whole, like, weird sins of the father kind of vibe to it. Well, see, the thing is... Japanese ghosts 
aren't satisfied with enacting their vengeance upon the people who wronged them because the hatred that grows out of their death is so great that it goes beyond just this one incident. And in, in some cases, like in the grudge or in the ring, um, this vengeance just blindly lashes out on anyone who gets remotely involved in the grudge is if you go into the house um, in the ring is if you watch the, um, the videotape. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's not surprising that this works this way right? Um, because that's kind of the, the trope. Um, it is a little weird that it would happen um, if you're watching it without with just with western eyes having not seen anything else because it really it's like okay why is this happening right but it's yeah the the ghosts are serious business um because i've learned mm-hmm. <laughs> that when when you die in a and in a shinto um situation uh it's you're still there your your spirit, your ghost, or whatever needs to be cared for, um, and it's very minimal. But that's why you have shrines and homes and stuff like that, so the dead can be placated, so shit like this doesn't happen. Right. Here's another fun um, fact for you. Speaking speaking of of the dead, um, Terrapin Station, man. Yeah. Woo. The Buddhist funerary rite in Japan. Mm-hmm. Is the same as an ordination because there so, were no there because it became from a monastic religion. They had right. nothing, no ritual ceremony for burying lay people, so they began the practice of ordaining the dead and then doing a monk's funeral service. Interesting. Well, Buddhism in Japan is a very strange. Um, beast i guess because mm-hmm. there's so much um going on with um shintoism which never like got displaced right it it got absorbed mm-hmm. and you also um, have uh the influence of of taoism coming in from from the heian period the japanese culture the high culture of japan just like absorbed everything chinese right yeah, including the way their government was set up, everything. Yeah, so it, it's it's a different, um, like uh, Japanese Buddhism is like way way different than if you just cross the street there, right, and go to say Korea or China. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's true. So, that's interesting. Another thing that that really struck me is this is one of the first times I've seen in this type of cinema. Uh, pure land Buddhism referenced. You know, a lot of times you'll see, you know, of course, the most famous form of Buddhism to come out of Japan is is Zen and how it was filtered through the Jap- Japanese culture in the, the samurai era. But, uh, yeah, it was the first time I've ever heard the Nimbutsu chanted uh, in, a, in a film. Which is strange because um, just in the literature, mm-hmm. uh Pure land Buddhism is where it's at. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so, well, like if you read Genji, that's what they're talking about. That's mm-hmm. the the flavor of Buddhism that that they're 
they practice in Genji and, and, you know, it, I don't know enough that I can tell the difference. Right. But it, it, it's shocking to me that that would be the first reference. Well, I mean, it's not like you like live and breathe Japanese cinema either. So, right. Right. Especially like this, this is an old film. Right, 1957. It's not even yeah. really. It wasn't even on my radar until you said, "Hey, you want to watch a Kaidan movie?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought for yeah. a second you were re- referencing the the famous one, the actual Kaidan. Yeah, and I was like, "Sure." And what's this? <laughs> okay, fine. Fuck it. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's a lot different um, from Kaidan. Like mm-hmm. the, the film Kaidan. Right, which Very is kind different. of like Tales from the Crypt, if we're to use right, a Western it's, it's comparison. Like, well, it's it's anthology, definitely. Well, it's three, or, I think three, maybe four, it's been a while since I've seen it, uh, stories taken from Lefcardio Hearn's Kaidan book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and those are really like, those are like two-page stories in there. Um, this is a little bit meatier and gets more into um, like personal relationships. This is more of a film film as opposed right. to a couple of ghost stories. Like not that Kaiden's a bad film. I enjoy it. But this is actually a movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's a single story and though it's only like an hour, I think the official runtime is 95 minutes or I'm sorry, uh, 57 minutes YouTube video is an hour 5. Um yeah, it, it is, it's seamless. It tells a single story all the way through. I thought we had gotten faked out for a moment there. With I did too! <laughs> it was as quickly as it got wrapped up early, and I was like, okay, uh, okay, there's the ghost, and then now we're on this 20 years later storyline, and I thought they kind of faked us out, and then everything went to shit. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Um... I, I enjoyed watching this film. You know, you got to watch something like this with like, okay, it was made in 1957. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the special effects are definitely 1957 low budget special effects. But, but they work. But, but this is a much more engaging film to me than something like It Conquered the World. Mm-hmm. I'm like just going the same time period back in the good old US of A, right? Right, right. Um, where you had, like, you know, Monster of the Week movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was was spawned by, by Godzilla, though. I, yeah, I don't know if Godzilla was, like, we can do it too. Godzilla was or, 55. Or, yeah, but I mean, those monster movies have been around for a yeah, well, I, I mean, mean yeah, that was like when it. I think of the fifties, I think of cheesy atomic monster movies, right. and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's a quick Google search to see if where Godzilla falls on the spectrum of that. Mm-hmm. But even Godzilla, um, it's a different kind of film. Yes, and I can't really recall anything comparable coming out of American cinema until maybe the sixties where you start getting things like Rosemary's baby mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where you have, um, it's more than a bunch of teenagers um, getting killed while they're making out. Right. Which is essentially, you know, Godzilla and they conquer the world and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, flavors of, of 
of that variant, the Russians are coming. Or in Godzilla's case, the Americans are coming. Right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But this this is older. This is more of a, you know, a, a, a true Japanese cultural artifact as opposed to um, Japanese getting into the, the um, that flavor of cinema. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, I mean, like I said before, this was at one point, this was a kabuki play. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which was, you know, popular during Edo period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really popular during Edo period. And this particular film has been uh, made at least four times. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, once by the same director. <laughs> Twice by the same director. Yeah. No, no, once again, oh. I'm sorry, once again by the, the same director. Right. <laughs> so, it, it, and I get the feeling that it's a story that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Right. It, like Sleepy Hollow. You're right, right. right. And, it, it does, it, it does have that kind of folk tale, uh, more of a folk horror kind of aesthetic. So, you know, if that's your thing, and I know that's really popular right now. Um, yeah, I would definitely put this on a list of recommendations uh, just just because of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it checks off a lot of boxes. If you're into folk horror, yes. If you're into, like, yokai uh, horror, it checks that box off. If you're into, like, grudge ghosts, it checks that off. There's, there's a, a lot of things that, even if you're, like, just interested in, uh, you know, Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. If you're into ghost story slash horror films that don't have an info dump. <laughs> it, yeah, it does get a little confusing, I guess, in the middle of it because the print that's on YouTube is not great. Mm-hmm. It's a little blurry. So um, I found myself identifying people by what they were wearing. Right, right. Um, because, I actually, like, I think the compression just looked washed. Everybody looked washed out with the same hairdo. Right. I think the <laughs> compression uh, actually helped the effects a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right to like kind of blur it out a little bit. Yeah, it just kind of, it's just kind of like you know, it uh, takes a little bit more definition out than you would get if you got it like on a, like a DVD, like a Criterion DVD or something like that. And and it made the, it made the effects a little bit more, uh, a little bit more uh, effective. Right now, um, uh, as an interesting side note, um, Tetsuro Tamba mm-hmm. has a has a role in this film, who is a fairly famous Japanese actor, who was in uh, You Only Live Twice, right. And then he played a bunch of uh, villains in um, American war movies. <laughs> of course. Because he's Japanese. But, you know, you get work when you can get it. True. That's very true. Um, yeah, so... Especially in the... He, he was the guy with the fucking ears. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the samurai... Uh, with the ears that I thought like he was wearing like some sort of weird cybernetic device on the back of his head. <laughs> wow. Now, guy's now got some big fucking ears. Without 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 a spoiler, without giving a spoiler, I will say that uh you know, like most horror movies, there's always that one satisfying death. Well he that's him. Oh, that's him? 
That's, that's our, him. That's our famous. You know who he reminds me of? He re- reminds me that that look that he that he's striking there with the with the kind of sideburns and the mm-hmm. full head of hair with the top knot. He, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I know what you're gonna say. Tomoyasu Hote actually is that one of the brothers from from uh one of the yakuza brothers from uh yojimbo nope uh he is he's a guitar player famous guitar player uh he he, that (laughs) that song from kill bill that that was all over the place car commercials stuff like that that's me stuff going over my head uh well tomoyasu hote uh played in a movie called samurai fiction which was this like uh, weird kind of quirky, oddball samurai film, and he, his character, uh, the the man in real life has like a pompadour and long sideburns, and they kind of like kept the sideburns and gave him this like enormous top knot, ponytail style top knot, and yeah, he, he, and he's tall and lanky like that, and it seems like. He kind of borrowed from from this look to, to <laughs> become that character. So it was kind he of very like well could have. He he kind of reminded me of the actor who played Unasuke mm-hmm. and Yojimbo uh, Tatsuya Nakadai. Yeah, the guy with the six gun. The guy with the six gun who was also in that really weird, um, like the Cursed Sword movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Because he is a creepy guy. Well, I'm sure he's a he's a great guy in real life, or was. But in uh, oh, he's still alive. I'm sure he's a great guy, uh, IRL. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but um, in Yojimbo and in that other movie, he he plays a really good, just like freakish creep guy. And uh, I thought that that um that he really did a good job um uh Tetsuro Tamba of at least channeling that energy. Yep, yep. He he definitely does. He's definitely got that creeper aspect going on and and he's he's just a real piece of shit. I mean, he is. Like, and maybe that's it. Maybe like that's a trope like like a skeezy samurai piece of shit. Maybe that's a trope. Right, like, like he, you know, he's interfering in things that is really none of his business. It, it actually is a trope in this genre. Mm-hmm. So there's another movie which I really wanted to try and get, but I, I couldn't. Um, and I, I want to get the name right because I suck. Um, hold on. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Um get it i'm trying to, to look it up real quick oh uh is it yotsuya yeah ghost story of yotsuya which is really really famous it's a very similar story mm-hmm. uh that's the one with aiman which looks like lemon who's right. the main character mm-hmm. and he gets married and cheats on his wife and tries to marry up and he ends up killing his wife and blah 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 wow she comes back as a ghost um but like he's like that creepy character except he's the main character so like in this one the main character is pretty innocent he is like a guy from 
grudge or the ring where he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Born and under a bad gets, sign. Of- it just gets caught up in all of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, in Yotsuya, the protagonist, um, Aiman, is just a piece of shit and gets everything he deserves. Mm-hmm. But And that that was an interesting film because that was definitely like completely 100% written for Kabuki. Right. And when they when it was written, that play and uh, the forty seven Ronin were played put on as a double bill, mm-hmm. and they inter intertwined the acts of each one. So they play Act One and Two of Yotsuya, and then Act One and Two of um, of Ronin. And then the next day they continue on. So it's like a two day affair of two plays and they're intertwined. And it was done to show the difference between the um, honor ideal of the samurai and 47 Ronin. We all know the story. That's mm-hmm. like honor personified. Right. And the dark side of that, where, um, where a, a Ronin just forsakes all honor just to get ahead in, in the world. And without giving a shit about who it affects, mm-hmm. and it was, apparently it was really powerful. And now that particular play has been either put on as a play or um, or filmed like countless times. It, it was like double digits, like fifty-seven times, something like crazy. Mm-hmm. The, and the last one is the one I actually ended up being able to watch, which was the one from uh, uh, Mike. That I was telling you about, uh, and and that was a, a movie about people uh, putting on the play, and the actors getting caught up in like the curse of this ghost. <laughs> That's how like powerful of of a story it is, and just the cultural presence in in Japan. Right, right. So yeah, de- definitely uh, check it out on YouTube. We'll have the link in the description so you can go have yourself a look at this this fine film uh, during the winter holiday season uh when everything is getting dark early uh kick back if you have a fireplace you know light yourself a fire throw this on the television and you know just chill out for an hour and and watch an old creepy movie uh it it is uh kaidan kasane gafuchi or ghost of oh it's called over your dead body ah so I will recommend that one as well. Yeah. Um, you, you've been recommending a couple of books lately through the chat. So why don't you give the audience those recommendations for some oh, yeah. spooky December reads as well? Yeah. If you want some spooky December reading from our friends across the Pacific, <laughs> um, I would like for you to check out, first of all, it's called... Um, Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Call. And that one is, well, I don't want to ruin it because I'm in the middle of it and it's, it's really fucking good. If you like yokai and you like like visceral horror, like gruesome visceral horror, you'll, you'll enjoy this book. And it's, it's not long at all. It's like uh, 60 pages, if that. Mm. Uh, uh, and it, it's fairly recent. Um, I, 
highly recommend that. And the other one is uh, The Graveyard Apartment by Mariko Koike, which is a few years old. I think that was actually written in the 80s, but it's recently translated. Mm-hmm. And if, if you like, uh, if you like The Grudge, that kind of thing, um, definitely check it out. It's it's brutal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you kind of it might be pillow fort material to be honest with you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right, and and the nonfiction book that uh, was catching your attention. Oh yeah, so that see now you're making me uh, go all over the place here. Uh, so that is called. It's not the Koji. Um, where are you, son of a? For those folks out there playing Phasmophobia, where are you? How old are you? (laughs) See, it got buried in like, because I like went off on a tangent and it got buried. Now you just get blank, empty space. That's what truncate silence is for. Blank, empty space. A ghost story of its own. No, but now I'm kind of pissed because there's one more place I can. Well, if you don't find it, I'll just cut this section out. Good. <laughs> it's not... Oh, there it is. It's called uh, Yure by Zach Davison. There you go. All right. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. A number of recommendations. Uh, check them out. Uh, Steve will give me some links, and we'll put all of that in the uh, in the I description. Got it all up. I got it all off of Apple Books. <laughs> and uh, until next time. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> he, he's still he's still trying to break in the new catchphrase. So, yeah. All right. So, see you later. Ciao.